In this week's update, huge uncertainty remains, but some groups now even higher probability of big success. And gold breaks through the magical $2,000 barrier. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only. Please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right, let's start with a, a quick market perspective. If anything, the key megatrend themes just keep getting even stronger. Uh, events of the last uh, couple of weeks have certainly made that so. So we've got to expect that high volatility going forward is going to remain. I think that's pretty much a given. There's just so much uncertainty out there. But copper remains an absolute no-brainer from my perspective. Um, supply and demand is just going to get uh, more and more in favour of higher copper prices. <coughs> Pardon me. And <clears throat> also with other battery materials uh, as well. So that is going to remain a very, very buoyant area. Energy, I'm still very keen on um, fossil energy from, a, from an investment success point of view, not necessarily from a climate change point of view, but um, I think the, the fossil fuel energy stocks are going to do well and also green energy stocks. And then you can add on cybersecurity, uh, Internet of Things, so that you know, software, so that whole technology area. And then we've got artificial intelligence. Um, there's, there's a massive build-out required of infrastructure around the world, and not just for uh, 5G and other new technologies. It's just the basic replacement of ageing um, road systems and rail systems and port systems. So an enormous um, mega-trend opportunity there. And finally, digital health uh, is also making great, great strides, probably not getting... The, um, the publicity that it deserves at the moment, but there's certainly um, going to be plenty of good opportunities, are some good opportunities in that area at the moment. <clears throat> so that's the overall perspective on the market. The S&P ended up flat for the week, and it was a strange mix of both aggressive and defensive sectors, as we'll see when we go to the charts. So they, they beat the indices quite, quite well. Um, and it was, it's, it's not a mix that you tend to see. You tend to see the market being either quite aggressively orientated or quite defensively orientated. So I read this as, uh, <clears throat> as a market which is pretty confused about the way, the way forward. I think there's a, there's a great deal of uncertainty and, and that really heightens the importance of being involved in stocks that have got the highest probability of being able to grow their earnings. And that means that you need a very strong tailwind. You know, you, you can't get growth if you're not in an area that's got a strong tailwind in an inflationary, uncertain environment where interest rates are, um, are going up. Now, the US dollar index uh, fell a bit further, so we're almost back down to 100 now. The 10-year yield uh, also continues down, 3.3. So the bond market... Is, is absolutely betting very clearly on the fact, on two things. First of all, that we're almost certainly going to get a recession. And uh, secondly, that um, that rate rises um, more than the very short term or are going to be a thing of the past and that rate cuts are going to be on the table. It remains to be seen whether they're right or not, but certainly the bond market and the equities market are saying two different things. One of them is going to be wrong. Um, and generally, the bond market tends to be more right than not. 
The VIX uh, was lower, so we're now sustaining uh, below 18.4, which given the uncertainties is perhaps a little bit optimistic. And the 10-year, two-year spread um, contracted a bit, so we're still around negative 0.5, so still pointing towards recessionary conditions. Everything is sort of heading in that direction. So this is the S&P for the week. I'll just tighten in on there, but you can see uh, we were in downtrend. We're now in sort sort of an uptrend come sideways action at the moment. It's a bit... It's a bit hard to determine at the index level, but um, you know that's where we finished uh, the four-day week, almost to the point where it started. So if we look at the um, the money flows, not a lot of change here. The Nasdaq versus the S and P didn't really change much. Slipped a little during the week, but but not very much. Uh, if we look at the relative comparisons, technology still doing well. Um, Communication services was probably the best performer for the week. Um, that did better than the uh, utilities. Um, but still, the aggressive sectors over the last quarter are still leading the way. This is 1,000 growth versus 1,000 value. Not a lot of change there, really just consolidation. Same with small caps. Um, semiconductors underperformed uh, a bit for the week, but look, things just can't go in a straight line. So I'm not uh, I'm not perturbed by that. It's just a bit of profit taking from my perspective. When you you look across uh, 20 or 30 different semiconductor stocks, there was nothing dramatic there. There were no uh, no big red candles. There was no heightened volumes. Um, it all looked fairly fairly calm and orderly. So that's the uh, that's the position with the U.S. market. Uh, if we have a look at the Aussie market. Pretty good week, really. Um, strongly up on uh, on Monday, a bit indecisive for the rest of the week, and uh, we'll probably get um, we'll probably get a fairly mild start on uh, on Tuesday morning. I would imagine the way things are sitting at the moment. The big loser for the week was materials, uh, with uh, with iron ore uh, down around ten dollars. Uh, energy certainly recovered. Um, in the early part of the week with uh, the rebound in the oil price. Finances have also bounced back a little bit, but you'd expect Australian banks to be doing better than just about every other global bank. And it was healthcare that really led the way in the Australian market. So quite a lot of uh, strength there. We'll just have a quick look at the currencies. So the US dollar on a weekly chart, uh, eased down a bit, but still in this channel between... 100 and a half and, uh, and 104. Uh, the Australian dollar, though, despite the US dollar being lower, the Australian dollar also went lower. Um, so we finished at, uh, at just above 66. So just quickly summarizing, uh, 0.6% was our index gain across the week. Iron ore is from 130 down to 120. And I think the feature of the Australian market was... Um, some takeovers, some some big takeovers, uh, and also some any companies that announce some stunning proje- project progress in the resources space, they were well rewarded by the market, which is which is good to see because it's been uh, it's been hard going for the resource sector this year, but um, certainly good results uh, on a on a global scale are being rewarded.
Precious metals, gold up $38 to 2008. So finally through that level that market commentators have been talking about now for months. And when we translate that into Australian dollars, 3,040, which even though the Australian gold stocks, uh, gold producers, their costs have risen significantly. And many of them are now in the 15, 16, 1700, uh, all in sustaining cost per ounce. Um, the the value in the Australian dollar is, um, well, the Australian dollar gold price is, uh, is very strong. So the profit margins are still very good. Looking at global stocks, um, they're now consistently outperforming the metal, so there's um, that's a, a good uh, a good sign. And you know that the trend is likely to get sustained when stocks are leading the metal. Um, that hasn't been the case for a lot of the last six months, and that's why I think the gold sector has struggled. But now it appears that gold stocks are are starting to do some of the catch-up that's um, that's long overdue. So let's take a look at that sector. So that's gold on a weekly, so quite a, a robust uh, move. And there's, if you look at where the close is at um, 2000, uh, 2008, then there is only one weekly close that has been above that, and that's this one here in August of 2020. So we're now at the uh, second highest weekly close uh, of all time. Uh, and certainly when you translate that to Australian dollars, it, it looks even better. So things are looking pretty buoyant in, um, in precious metals land and silver is, is also doing pretty well. So that's gold on a daily. And silver is also had a very big move. So it was trading at $20 on the 10th of March. And we're not even quite a month later. And we're trading at $25. So we're, we're up um, up by 25% in, um, in a month. So it's been a very, very big move in silver. Okay. Other commodities, copper was uh, steady, 401, nickel, 1033. If you look at nickel and copper over the last uh, three months in this calendar year, uh, copper is about flat or maybe up a couple of percent, whereas nickel's down 17%. And a large part of that is that they're ramping up um, the high pressure leaching process of nickel in Indonesia, which is going to increase the supply of nickel into the global market. So that's, you know, that's going to hold nickel back for um, for a little bit of time, I think. So copper would certainly be my preference over, over nickel at this stage. However, nickel is, is going to do well in the future. And so development stocks that have got world-class nickel assets are, uh, are still going to be in demand. And with the mergers and acquisitions activity that's now really ramping up, um, there, there could be some good outcomes there for, uh, for good nickel stocks. Higher long-term copper prices look an absolute tremendous bet from here, of looking out over the next couple of years. I really do think that is uh, one of the most attractive and highest probability areas 
The problem is now with the BHP takeover of Oz Minerals, we don't have a lot to shoot at in Australia um, anymore in terms of significant producers. Uh, WTI crude made it back from the mid-60s back to 80 in, over the last couple of weeks. And when you get such a large move very, very quickly, almost overnight, as a consequence of that OPEC decision, um, it really mostly leads to further gains over the long term. It would be most unusual for that sudden gain in crude oil to be a one-off. So my, my base case is that we see crude oil move back towards $90 and $100 uh, over the balance of this year, and, uh, and that's very profitable territory for, um, for oil producers. Now, the rebuilding of the U.S. Strategic Reserve is in some difficulty because of U.S. government stupidity uh, and naivety. Um, so I think that is going to help the, the oil price as well, because the U.S. are going to have to rebuild that strategic reserve um, and they're not going to be able to do it at the prices that they would uh, that they would like to. There's the copper price, not much change there, and similarly with nickel. So wrapping things up, what does a successful investor need in this sort of market? You need a clear plan to suit your requirements, your psychology, your financial needs, your timeframes. Most people resist sitting down and doing it, I guess because it either seems too hard or you don't know how to do it. It's actually a very, very simple process that we, uh, we address a lot in my, um, in my subscription services. I think you also need to have an awareness of contrarian opportunities because of the volatility. You don't want to jump on something that's been running and has become the flavor of the month and then you know jump onto it after it's, after it's run a fair way and, you, and you're feeling more comfortable with it. That, that's just the worst thing that you can do. So you need to be aware of contrarian opportunities. Look for things that are that have a great long-term outlook but are temporarily out of favour. And you know we've had this recently in a number of areas, including the um, the oil stocks. You know the outlook there was really good, but short term um, the market overreacted to a, a short-term decline in uh, in the oil price. Thirdly, resist running with the herd. If you want to do what everybody else is doing, I think you're really, really going to struggle in this market. And there's probably a pretty good opportunity for you to lose money as well. So you've got to resist running with what everybody else is doing, going with the, the commentary of the day. Portfolio Analyst last week, it was um, the monthly educational review session, which is always um, well received. And we, uh, we looked at um, all the things that had happened during, during March and what we could learn from them and incorporate them into our trading and investing to become better at it. That's it for this week. Um, there's more information on the website. There's my email address. And I hope everyone has a wonderful long weekend. Cheers.